Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hey, Shannon. Hi, Becca. (laughs) It's a rough week, isn't it? Yeah, it is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we just wanted to have this podcast so we can decompress and just talk through our feelings and our thoughts and our plans moving forward. Yeah, I, I've i had multiple people text me, ask if we're going to do an episode this week, and I think that they basically want to process through it with us. So, yeah. And I, I think I've been avoiding it if um, as much as possible, so I think it'll be good for us to talk because we haven't we've texted and stuff but yeah I've I've sort of divorced myself from social media and the internet (laughs) so (laughs) yeah I think I've done the opposite (laughs) I will we'll find out which is healthier they're probably both equally unhealthy yeah yeah for sure (laughs) but let's I let's start with the five stages of grief basically Mm -hmm. because clearly we're going through them yeah personally I believe I'm at anger, and I hope to stay there <laughs> for I hope to stay there for the next four years, next two yeah. years for sure i I think acceptance that is for a different type of grief, yeah, acceptance is not really allowed at this point, like I can't accept that that was the outcome, but I cannot accept that that is how our country is going to be moving forward, and that's right. how i can ex- I can't accept that that is going to be my only part in this story. Mm-hmm. And so I've moved on to anger, and I think it's really, if anything, just, like, radicalized me. Yeah. You know, I'm ready to fight. I was complacent. I was complicit. I just totally thought this was in the bag, and I didn't do anything. I didn't do n- nearly enough that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a wake-up call, and I just need to get to work, basically. Yeah. I mean, I I think I had the same problem, which is just I assumed other people were doing all the hard work. And I donated, you know, money to Bernie so I could get a t-shirt. And then when it wasn't Bernie anymore, I donated money to Hillary so I could get a bumper sticker and a magnet and a shirt. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, I did my part. And I was like, right. clearly that was not your part. That was mm-hmm. the bare minimum. And that's why we are where we are. For Well, one of the many reasons we are where we are. Mm-hmm. And... I think that it it has also, I don't know, I definitely am still at grief, I think. I, I will be just, like, general grief for a long time. <laughs> um, but I think I'm, rather than anger, I'm more driven out of, like, a bargaining sort of <laughs> situation at this point where it's like, all right, well, if this is how the presidency is going to go, then I'm going to do this other stuff and try and, like weasel my way out of it or you know like that sort of scenario so I've been working very long hours this week and so during my breaks I've been trying to like google like what do I do (laughs) and I've been reaching out to people I know in my community and like who who can I help how can I help you stuff like that and I think that's all sort of a bargaining thing it's I'm not doing it out of anger I'm because I'm still right mostly sad (laughs) I'm doing it out of like just like sheer this is the only thing I can think of at this moment to do um yeah I don't know 
Yeah. I, yeah, I suppose it is a bit of bargaining. It says, okay, you give me that, well, this will be my response. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I'm accepting this part of it, but I'm doing this other thing to offset that. That's actually exactly what I wrote. I wrote my senator yesterday, because in, in the midst of all of the Hillary losing stuff, also locally in my Senate election, Katie McGinty, the Democrat, lost to the incumbent Republican, who yeah. I have been waiting since 2014 to vote out of Congress, because in 2014 he voted against, blocked and voted against the Equal Pay Amendment for women. Mm-hmm. So I've been like waiting, waiting, waiting to get this guy gone, and then he squeaked by another win. And so I emailed him yesterday and I said, Well, if I'm stuck with you for the next six years, when you'll be, you know, 60 when we get to meet again at the polls, and I, I'll be 31, you're going to have to deal with me for the next six years much more than you did before. Because I only called him once when he was in office. Mm-hmm. these last six years so i'm like well that's gonna stop now we're gonna you know up our relationship quite a bit now <laughs> because <laughs> we're together whether you like it or not and so i come with the package now i'm one of your constituents <laughs> and that and that was the email i wrote and then today i was looking into more things to do and they were like don't email they don't read those emails i'm like god damn it right <laughs> because it's so much easier to email honestly because right you don't have to talk to a person on the phone yeah you don't have to like get on the phone at all you can think yeah. about what you're writing you can delete you can add you know right and so now it's like okay now i have to call somebody who's not my senator who's a legal person in the office who doesn't also doesn't care they hate their job, I'm assuming, because people yell at them all day. And I have to be a part of that. I don't want to make their day suck, because <laughs> it's going to well, make my day suck. As someone who roomed with a bunch of congressional interns uh-huh. um, one summer in D.C., and I remember the day they came home and said, they're all calling about the horse slaughter bill or something. <laughs> and they had the worst day because people were calling them nonstop about some horse issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And But I don't know. I think they still enjoyed their jobs. And okay. that was just a part of it. And it's a lot of college kids who are only there for the summer yeah. and only there for, the, for a semester at a time. So I don't feel too guilty about, yeah. you know bothering them (laughs) i did read that it's not effective to call multiple times in a day or like a bunch of times in a week if Mm -hmm. you're it's better to just call consistently so that's what i'm hoping to do because i had this whole plan where on his website when you're emailing him you have to pick a topic in the drop down menu and there's 36 topics that i i counted and i was like all right i'll do this for 36 weeks and i'll pick a different topic each time i email so i'm like well i'll just do that now but I'll call about it instead. So, I mean, maybe I'll still email, and that'll be my first draft, and then I'll mm-hmm. call with the same info. But I think they still... I'm pretty sure they have a logging system where they log, like, the content of the email, whatever, they pull that out. They yeah. have a database, so they know, oh, we've gotten this number of emails, this number of calls, this number of, mm-hmm. you know, letters about this topic. Yeah. Maybe they don't read every word of it, but they they say this was mostly about this thing. Mm-hmm. Seventy other people said the same thing, you know. Yeah. So it's not nothing for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's better than nothing. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess 
So y- you also found something new to do. Tell me more about yeah. this new venture so of yours. Yeah, so basically I just went to the City of Alexandria website, and they had a Get Involved tab. Mm-hmm. And I said, great, I want to. <laughs> and they have a million boards and committees that mm-hmm. they have that have citizen members. And I looked at the vacancies, and I found that the Commission for Women had a vacancy for a citizen member. A lot of them, they had vacancies for, like, business owners and things like that Mm. really specific things or representatives from you know a nonprofit or something so but I found this one and I applied and we'll see what happens Uh, I had to write a little little note or why why I wanted to do it or whatever yeah but I think that would be a really amazing thing to get more involved in my city because I do have the privilege and luxury of living in a very blue area Mm -hmm. you know I wasn't at all worried that the house member I was voting for this time would get reelected. You know, he was, he won by like 70% or something. Mm -hmm. So, and the city is, is, is a very blue place, but you know, there's always more we can be doing and there's always ways to improve. I, so when I went on their website and I started looking through like, what do each of these commissions do? And then I found, Oh, there's one for my specific neighborhood, Arlandria in Alexandria. And like, what have they done? And I found out like, Oh, all of those changes that I've been noticing, like, the improving of the bike path around, you know, the, and like restoring the wetlands mm-hmm. in, the, in the park near me and adding the bike uh, racks and adding, you know, like, and oh, they added that crosswalk thing so I can get to the bus stop without dying, you know, <laughs> like, sort of thing. Like all of this was this, this like not unpaid volunteers, you know, at a little commission for the city saying, I want to improve this part of my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing what they've accomplished and I would really love to be a part of that. And so I think, I think it's really fun and great to get involved on a really hyper local level Mm -hmm. because, you know, selfishly it affects you and it affects your neighbors and your quality of life. And I, you know, but if, if you want to get involved in a national organization, like Planned Parenthood or something, you know, like, that's also great too. I, you know, this is like a meeting that happens once a month. If I get involved, I have more time mm-hmm. <laughs> that I could be spending doing other things. So I'm looking more into that. Yeah. I also think that that's a great way. If you start at a really local level, it, you make connections, which will mm-hmm. get you farther later yes. down the road because that's exactly what my dad did when I was growing up. Like he was a stay at home dad and he was on the planning commission, which is all about zoning for our town and he, because of that, and because we were in the Lions Club, he was so connected to everybody. And he was able to, like, we eventually started working with people that were running for Pennsylvania state, you know, legislature jobs and stuff. And so you really do get involved with people that are coming up the ranks later, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting for from my perspective, because I'm... I live in North Philly, but I'm registered to vote in East Whiteland, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And so I sort of have been debating, like, where shall I go (laughs) sort of thing, (laughs) because Philadelphia is definitely a very democratic place. My suburb, not necessarily all the time. It it was this election, but, um, you know, it doesn't always go that way. And it's a very wealthy suburb, so it's, you know, a lot of mainline moms and stuff like that um Mm. so so I've sort of been trying to figure out like which or do I do both what do I do like um 
And the only things that I've come up with so far are I'm going to be starting in January because I'm not free on Saturdays until January. Um, I'm going to be an escort to the Pennsylvania Women's Center for patients um, in Philadelphia. So that's, or the Philadelphia Women's Center, because they have protesters every weekend there. And Mm. like, I go to Planned Parenthood for my own health at the one out here in the suburbs. And there was one protester when I was there last time. And just seeing that one protester made Mm. me so feel so bad about myself, even though I was there for like a breast check and to get my birth control and stuff. Like it was, it was not a scenario where I was needed to feel bad about myself, but seeing a woman there harassing me, listening to her, you know, we're two blocks away from the church I grew up in. She's Mm -hmm. clearly from that church, which was also my church, you know, right. Seeing that made me just like regress back to childhood and like remembering everything I was taught and, so, like, if I can help the women in Philadelphia that are dealing with ten times the protesters, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm hopefully going to sign up for the Fishtown Neighborhood Association, which is my local yeah. group. Um, they have a zoning commission, which is in the midst of lots of upheaval, so I know I won't get on that, <laughs> but <laughs> because we have a lot of gentrification problems in Fishtown. And I am a part of that because I am a, you know, white hipster-ish person. (laughs) So, um, but there's also a beautification committee and, um, a safety committee. So I'm looking into both of those. Um, but I'm also just like, you know, I'm on a couple of different Facebook groups that are putting together ideas for what to do. And like, Mm -hmm. here's another idea. This is the thing I'm starting. And, you know, I think it's a rolling downhill sort of situation where the more people start thinking about it, the more options there will be. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, in regards to you holding on to your voting registration mm-hmm. in the suburbs, mm-hmm. it took me a year to admit that I was living in Alexandria <laughs> and I was still absentee voting in Ohio because I was under the opinion that you know, I was like, oh, well, it's a really, it's Hamilton County in Ohio. That was the county that turned Ohio blue, you know, the last election or whatever. It's so important and things like that. And, but it, after a while, I was like, oh, I don't live there anymore. All of those issues I keep researching of, you know, which city council member am I going to vote for or whatever, none of it <laughs> was having any impact on me. And it was just like a thought experiment at a certain point, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think... I would recommend just registering where you live just because I mean, those I, people affect your life. I do live here part-time. I'm I'm living here for the next two weeks. I do, yeah. you know, I, I do think that this community does affect me a lot more than my Philadelphia community. I don't, I don't feel any connection to Philadelphia as a voter. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I would much rather vote here. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll take so, it into consideration, but I'm just saying, I mean, I don't feel like a Philadelphian. I've never been, a, like, that's a big schism between people that live in this area, is if you're not from Philly, you can't say you're from Philly. You have to right. say you're from the suburbs. And people take you out on that. They're like, you're not from Philly. And so I never was, and I don't feel like, even if I do live there, that I will be. Okay. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, we can connect this to 
pop culture, I suppose we could talk about, you know, Colbert's live show, Samantha Bee's response. I'm listening right now this morning. I was listening to Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher. They have a every Tuesday night, they have a stand up show that they host and they record it as a podcast. And that mm-hmm. came out the other day. I was listening to it this morning. And so, of course, it's 8 p.m. It starts in California which is 11 p.m. Eastern time right. when Colbert's thing started. And so you're getting the information, you know, as they're trying to do their comedy show. Right. And it was, it's been really interesting listening to them versus Colbert. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar vibe as with the audience or whatever, where they're, they're just like, what? You know, they, they're sort of taking it all in sort of a thing. But it feels like there's so much less denial of it happening from Rhea Butcher and Cameron Esposito. Mm-hmm. It's just so much more like, yeah, this is happening, you know, less like, what? Like, I can't believe it, you know? Yeah. Well, the only pop culture thing that has happened for me was Big Brother this week, um, Mm -hmm. which I know the video got passed around a lot, but Big Brother is doing an online version for the first time this year, which means this is the first year that they've been in the house for election day. So none of the house guests voted because they didn't know far enough in advance to do an absentee ballot sort of situation. So there's, I think, like six people left, maybe seven. And they, Julie Chen, the host, told them the day after the election what had happened. And she always does this when they are teasing, like, things like this, like who won the Super Bowl or whatever. Um, They they ask them for their guess first, like, tell, Mm -hmm. tell me what you think happened. And one of the house guests, a black woman, mm-hmm. so precisely <laughs> guessed what happened with the election. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And then And nobody else guessed that. Everyone no. else was like, No, Hillary wins. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and they revealed the outcome and then it was just it it was like seeing myself react to it because mm-hmm. so many of the house guests had the same reaction. Like They didn't show the two people very much that could have been, you know, supportive of the outcome. They showed, you know, the liberal California girl who was on the verge of tears, the very Mm -hmm. gay guy from Massachusetts saying, where were you gays? You know, like, it was just a really raw reaction to Mm -hmm. what had happened. And it was kind of cathartic, but at the same time made me cry again because (laughs) it's just like these poor people, they don't have the luxury of going and talking to their family members about this outcome. They don't know what happened that led to this. They don't know. They just, they, and they can't even talk about it, you know, together because America is watching and half of America supports Trump and they will vote you know, them out during the next mm. eviction ceremony. So if they don't like what they're saying, so you, ha- you can't be a hundred percent candid in the big brother house when it comes to things like this. And I just was so sorry for them because they're, they're also going through the stages of grief and like, <laughs> they can't really do that openly. <laughs> yeah. So. It's such a bizarre way to find out something like that yeah. because I would think it's like, oh, I don't believe that, you know, like, it would take me so much longer to accept that it was happening because mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing news reports, I wasn't seeing the states coming in, I wasn't seeing the numbers, it was just, like, a person in a TV mm-hmm. told me, like, this is the outcome, goodbye, Well, <laughs> you know. It, de- it definitely reflected for me what happened with September 11th, because they were, the f- I think there were four people or three people left in the house when September 11th happened, 
and one of the girls had family members in New York, so they brought her into the diary room separately, and they told her, and then they told the rest of the house, and it was a very similar reaction, where it's like, they can't, part of the show is that you can't interact with the outside world, so they can't tell them, they can't, you know, explain, they can't put the news on the television for them, but they still have to be, like, in a game show at the same time. So it's, like, mm. this weird disconnect of, like, you want to be on the outside, but you also want to m- win a million dollars. Like, mm. it's it's a really weird dichotomy, and I, it happened again for them with this, for sure. I I just don't understand what seeing the news, what why would that would not be allowed, you know? Yeah. I thought they would have actually put... CBS's news coverage on the television for them yeah, on election night because it's not like a rights management issue if they're playing their own network stuff but that's, yeah, that, I, that's part of it. I just don't it. get it's, it. <laughs> the original show was supposed to be a social experiment where it's like let's watch these people in this house and it wasn't like as much of a game show as it is now. It was mm-hmm. There was no like power veto it was just like people all living together once a week somebody goes home and it was so you could understand the human thought process sort of thing. And over the years, it has become a different show, which is not a bad thing. But they still have these vestiges of its old showness, which is like no contact from the outside world, except for when Frankie Grande, Grande brings his sister into the house and they take them outside for one night to go to a concert, you know, and like, yeah. <laughs> so it's they make exceptions, but not for real life things. You know, so gross. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I couldn't justify that if I was a producer on that show. I couldn't justify that to myself of denying these people access to the American, you know, system, like the political system. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you also didn't allow them to do absentee ballot, which if you just gave them, you know, the ability to mail a form... Mm-hmm. from the Big Brother house and receive it at the Big Brother house, they would be able to vote. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason why they can't do any of that. It's yeah. all made-up nonsense. Well, and technically they're not informed me. voters anymore because they were in the house for six Two months. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So you could argue that because they don't have full access to news, they can't make an informed decision at the polls. You can say that about a lot of voters. It's complicated. <laughs> Anyway, I can't justify it. Let's talk about Samantha B. She, thank God she's here. I know. Thank God, because that's the only way we're going to get through this is because I think the nature of political comedy has changed completely and is going to have to change completely mm-hmm. in, in the coming years because everyone would always at the beginning of this are like, oh, Trump is such a gift to comedians or whatever. It's like, no, he's not. Mm-mm. Like, that's not very funny, and there's nothing, not much you can do with that. But now it's become a thing of comedy is completely necessary to critique our government and our leaders and to provide some really sharp criticisms with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really going to be needed because, you know, he can, he's, he can try and jail journalists and things like that, but, you know, comedy... I feel it can cut through a lot of that, and I think it's going to be even more necessary than it ever has been. I agree. I I look forward to her so much every week, and I think I did go through a little process this week where 
overall, more just looking at all of pop culture. I, on election night, I closed my computer and I went to bed and I was like, maybe it'll all turn around. Like, it was clearly mm-hmm. past the point of turning around. That's why right. I had stayed up so late. But I was like, maybe when I wake up tomorrow, this will all be a bad dream. Yes. And I wake up the next morning and I sit in bed for a couple minutes and I think it wasn't a bad dream. I know it. Like, yeah. my phone is across the room charging, my computer is across the room, but I'm just sitting there just knowing the yeah. truth. And so I eventually get up and I spend the next two days not interacting with media at all. Like, I missed my friend's birthday because I get that those notifications through Facebook and I wasn't on Facebook, so I missed her birthday. I just didn't go on Twitter at all. I didn't go... I didn't look at my email. I missed emails from my aunt. Like, I was completely devoid of all media. I wasn't watching TV at night. And then I was like... I realized how much more time I had to be thinking about myself and where I am in my community Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and what I can be doing looking forward and I thought maybe if I cut out some of the pop culture stuff that I focus on that is like painful for me like Westworld Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or other shows where I'm just like the Mindy Project which I now only watch because I'm a completist still and I have been (laughs) watching it for five seasons I don't know even at this point and maybe if I just get rid of that, I'll have time to go to planning commission meetings in my town or, mm-hmm. you know, to call people, senators, or, like, to do other stuff that's actually going to impact my life rather than, you know, sit around and wallow in pop culture that doesn't do me right or, <laughs> like, <laughs> and of course I still want to do that. Like, it's still a huge part of who I am. But at the same time, it's like, I think I just came to this realization where I was like, think of how much time you would have if you didn't spend it watching the Mindy Project, which yeah. is only 20 minutes long, okay? But <laughs> that's 20 minutes I could be using to call my senator instead. Right. Yeah. I I went to bed that night. It was like 1.40 in the morning or something, and I couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was like, yeah, I, I had the same feeling where I hope... I hope some miracle happens, you know, somehow. I couldn't see how, but, you know, I also, it was 1.40 in the morning and I wasn't thinking clearly. So I said, I'll go to bed, see what happens. I woke up with a start at 4 a.m., went, immediately grabbed my phone, checked it, realized that, no, no miracle had happened, fell back asleep, and then had a dream that Hillary Clinton was hanging out with me and holding my hand and she was like comforting me and she was quoting Parks and Rec. I don't even remember what the quote was. I remember just thinking, oh, we're just bantering back and forth about Parks and Rec. And she, it just felt so beautiful. Like she felt like my Nana Beth, you know, like Mm. she reminded me so much of her in that dream. And maybe she was a hybrid of my grandmother and, and, you know, Hillary Clinton, but I was I felt so comforted in that moment and then I wake up thinking like oh it was all a bad dream (laughs) you know and then it wasn't um but I just love her so much where was I going with this (laughs) oh yes so unlike you I I didn't stay off Twitter I didn't stay off Facebook I didn't stay off Tumblr I didn't stay off any of that I read a million articles I read all these analysis of how did this happen you know let's break down the voting blocks and how they voted and things like that and you know I think there was value in that in in understanding you know how people voted what groups of people voted and so like what we can work on concretely because 
I'm trying to think of like, are there more relatives I could have gotten to? I mean, the only ones I can think of in my family that were going to vote for Trump were my great aunt and uncle um, in California that I don't really know um, that well, um, or I just don't see that often. And so it's like, I, we had gotten my parents, you know, like that sort of a thing. And so it's just sort of, I was like, okay, I think maybe I need to go more broad. I need to just, I need to attend marches. I need to, you know, join organizations. I need to donate my time to as many things as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really need to focus on a few things. And I think reading all that stuff online, reading my friends saying the same thing on Facebook was actually incredibly reassuring. And it was like, okay, we're all, we've taken this in now. It sucks, but what are we going to do about it? You know? And so it was all, it felt like this call to action. And so I think that's, I found solace in that, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I had the opposite reaction because we were, I, the one article I read, I think was sent to me by my aunt. I read it multiple days later and she, um, she lives in North Carolina and basically I think my dad emailed her and said, Shannon has been crying a lot and is very upset. And she took on sort of like a motherly role in emailing mm-hmm. me and said, um, basically like, you're not alone. I'm inviting you to this Facebook group and here's an article. And this is my, you remember this woman, Erica from the wedding and this is her and she's the CEO of this company. And she was just sort of spreading me some information, which was comforting because she was like Mm -hmm. you're not alone and one of the things she sent me was an article where they mentioned how you know she has two children and one is in New York and one is in San Francisco and they're originally from North Carolina and it was the article was like think about how young the young people of this country have all flocked to these cities where they are with their friends you know where Mm -hmm. they're in really liberal places and think about where they originally came from and how, you know, their liberal votes no longer live there. And so she was like, you know, if all of my friends and um, my own children were still back in North Carolina, North Carolina might have been a different color in this election. And Mm -hmm. so it was sort of talking about how, like, think of your family and think about why you're afraid to go home for the holidays and stuff like that. And that is so true for my family because the last time I went to a family Thanksgiving was my first year of college and it was in South Carolina and it was the worst experience one of the worst experiences of my life because it was right after I had lost my mom so it was a completely new family dynamic it was in a very hostile place for me after I had just shaved all my hair off Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm never coming back here for a family event like this it was so awful and so then I was thinking, I, w- I was just down there for my grandma's birthday, and I didn't talk to any of them about the election, because I was like, we can't start talking about politics, right. it's a family thing, you know, we don't want to fight, and I was just at my, at my stepmother's, you know, family event before the funeral, and th- I didn't talk to any of them either, and it's like, that was like 20 people I didn't mm-hmm. talk to, I wasted it, yeah. and I, I just feel like... I could have done so much more within my own family. I uh, yeah, I feel bad about it. Well, that article that's interesting, the idea. Well, it's so true though. It's like people leaving, 
you know, these, the Midwest and these rural areas to go to cities. It's young people leaving or whatever. And it's like, well, you want to make a difference, young people move back to your hometown, you know, live out in rural areas. Instead, instead of saying like, people in rural areas, why are you making, why are you, why are young people leaving you in droves? Mm. You know, because that is not going to sustain your your communities. And so why does it feel hostile to young people? You know, any soul searching you guys want to (laughs) do, you know, like, I think we all have soul searching to do. Mm. And I think we can all be better. But the idea of like these young liberals just like apathetically leaving their their towns or whatever. And it's like, what? Like, why not become more liberal, older people? (laughs) You know, I think there's a lot of blame or whatever you want to call it to go around and I just think I think we just need to start valuing and like facts more mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know and yeah and we need to have courage to have these discussions with people because it is terrifying it is. especially certain tall white deep-throated men you know like yeah. <laughs> like I got into a really big argument with my uncle two Thanksgivings ago about politics and we got into it at the dinner table and it was awkward for the people around us because we were having a pleasant family (laughs) gathering (laughs) and I and him and I are getting you know more and more agitated as we're talking to each other Mm -hmm. but at the end of all that he looked at me and he said you know I loved having this discussion with you you know (laughs) (laughs) because it, it there is something exciting about being forced to defend your beliefs and why you believe those things. And the only way you're going to continually assess why you believe those things is if you discuss it with people who don't believe the same thing. It's true. And yeah, maybe that first conversation doesn't go great and they blow up the whole thing, you know, people storm out or whatever. It gets scary. But then a year later, you see them again you have another discussion, it doesn't go great, you know, it's like you're chipping away at people, you know, and and I think, honestly, I look at my dad, who for his whole life, basically, was a Republican, Mm -hmm. and he's completely, I don't, I'm not saying he's, like, super liberal or anything now, but he didn't even think twice about voting for Hillary. I mean, I sh- I'm sorry I'm saying this, Dad, if this is embarrassing <laughs> to you. <laughs> but, like, it, did, it would seem like such a no-brainer to him that he would do that. And I think it's just because... It's not just because, but it's in huge part because I'm in his life and I have this platform where he can't talk back. <laughs> I just <laughs> shouted him through, my, through his iPod about my beliefs and then he has to take them in. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some part of him starts to think like, oh, okay, you know, this, there's this different viewpoint. And mm-hmm. then he moves to San Francisco and... <laughs> You know? So what we're saying is we need to get this podcast on like a honky tonk radio station yes. in the deep south yeah. and like and somewhere in West Virginia maybe we need to start getting this podcast out exactly exactly <laughs> or just any sort of podcast where it's like women feminists talking whatever things like mm-hmm. that people of color talking because I was I was talking to my friend Hannah who recently broke up with her boyfriend of three months who was a Oh, Lord. He was a free speech advocate or something. He was oh, a right. super libertarian. Yeah, yeah. And then right before, right after she bre- that he breaks up with her, she tells me, you know, he wasn't even registered to vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I go, wow. 
you really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh you my gotta, God. So, but she was always telling me about, he told me this idea, you know, it's really interesting, this thing that he said about this, and isn't it fascinating? He's always, you know, and they're really engaging in these really interesting discussions. Mm-hmm. And I, she, but she would get so annoyed with him sometimes because she would talk about going to Smith and going to an all women's college and he wouldn't understand why. And she, and he wouldn't understand. He goes, he goes, but yeah, like I, I want to be in feminist spaces. I want to be like in there and, and why don't they want me to talk? Like I, <laughs> I want to help, you know, and he always wants to, he wanted to help and he wanted to make his voice heard. Mm-hmm. And she keeps telling him, you know, like that's the point but... that the point is that you just need to <laughs> shut up and listen. listen and yeah. like, we value that you want to help, but you don't need to, say it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like you just need to do things and and he couldn't get it and I said you know like and and she was having such a hard time having a discussion with him because it would get so heated so quickly mm-hmm. and then she would just not want to talk about it anymore so I said you know you have to give him a forum like a podcast you you put you listen to that where he can't respond mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and I think I think it's amazing to just take in what other people are saying and listen to it in a format where you can't immediately say, but what about this? Mm. You know, like, listen, like, listen to broaden your horizons, watch and listen to media that is from other people, people outside of your own ethnic group and your own gender, you know, and Mm. just listen. Yeah, that is true. I think that that is one of the things, biggest things I'm going to work on when I try and you know, look for new opportunities to volunteer and stuff is to think outside of myself as a, as a voter and a person and like a white queer woman, like think about other people and how like Penn university right now is having a horrible, horrible time with, um, every black student in the freshman class was just invited to a group message that was all about lynchings. Jesus. So, and that is also Trump's alma mater. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, protesting going on in, at Penn and, and discussion happening and it's like okay how can I as somebody who is not affected by this lend my support and I think that's one of the yeah. things that I've definitely learned is just to listen and to mm-hmm. act when they tell me to and exactly I, w- I will gladly you know yeah and speak up when when you're in a group of friends or a group of people and they say something speak up mm-hmm. and and point it out and say that it's wrong or if you see someone being harassed when you're out on the street or on the subway or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, step in. You don't need to engage the harasser, but step in and sit with the other person and say, I'm here and, you know, let's ignore this guy together sort of a thing. And I mean, it's stupid and silly, but like I'm wearing a safety pin, yep. you know, on my clothes to say, you know, I'm I'm here <laughs> if anyone needs anything, you know, yeah. sort of a thing. If you feel unsafe, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think maybe it's little things we can do in our everyday life. And just, if you want to get more involved, there's nothing stopping you. Yep. Google is a wonderful search engine. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. And I feel like, I think from now on, maybe, this is just an idea I just had, but maybe every week on the podcast, we can sort of hold each other to it and update each other and say, this is what I did this week to try and help more. You know, this is the thing I looked into. This is what I signed up for or whatever. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. So this week, I emailed my senator. This week, I applied to be on the Commission for Women. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I want... Oh, recommendation? Yeah. Should we skip it? Yeah, I think the recommendation is 
look into doing something. Yeah. Whatever that may be for you. Mm -hmm. You know, like, my mom volunteers right now for, she helps do, like, teach people who were formerly incarcerated. She teaches them to read and tutors them, and she also preps them for job interviews. Mm -hmm. So I think that's amazing. And so if that's your passion, I think... Go look into an organization that does that. If your passion is Planned Parenthood and wanting that, look into other organizations that do that and look into that, you know. Mm-hmm. If your passion is local, you know, just think, just pick one thing, honestly. It's very overwhelming because I think we all have a lot of passions. And mm-hmm. I think, I would, sure, I'd like to solve, I'd solve, like, racism and I'd love to solve sexism and homophobia <laughs> and I'd love to solve every one of those things. Uh-huh. But realistically, I need to pick one project to start and see what happens from there sort of a thing because mm-hmm. your time is your own and yeah. there's not much of it. Um, yeah. So I was thinking I'd play the message that Zach gave us and then I'd read a quote from Neil Perfect. deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Okay. Hopefully this is loud enough. I like your sticker. Hey, Becca. <laughs> hey, Shannon. It's Zach. Sorry I haven't called lately. I kind of just plum ran out of jokes. No, there's no punchline about fruit or plums. I'm sorry. No, no more jokes. I might got, I might got a couple lit in the works, but yeah, my, my inspiration has been dwindling and, uh, you know, with the election and everything. I know everybody's in pretty low spirits, but I just wanted to call and let you know that I still like your guy, like you guys, and like your podcast. I still oh. think it's awesome, <laughs> and I love you both. And the USA is still a great country, although people have differences. And yeah, so you know, always look on the bright side of life. Look, listen to that Monty Python song. Watch the movie. Watch all of their movies. Laugh a little bit, and just be happy. Okay, bye. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Okay, so this is my Neil deGrasse Tyson quote he um, said the other day. Okay. This is the end of nothing. This is the beginning of something new and solemn and so important. You must be part of what comes next. The future is never gone, never hopeless. No one has ever lived in the best possible world. There has always been a fight to fight. But we are here. We find ourselves with a job to do. No matter how hard, no matter the pain in our hearts, do not shrink away. No jokes tonight. Do not laugh and look away. Watch this. Stay here. Burn this into memory. Wake up tomorrow. The fight will await you.